Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast with Tony Maradero. 55 seconds left in the penalty, a minute and 27 seconds left in regulation time. Boston 4, Montreal 3. Lafleur coming out rather gingerly on the right side. He gives it into LeMaire, back to Lafleur. The sickest Montreal Canadiens podcast. <laughs> You're in the ball. Sports entertainment like no other. Rejoint, on lui fait perdre la rondelle, une passe devant. Et c'est la bonne chose. Ce sera la victoire des Canadiens. pour les Canadiens. Le 23e de l'histoire. You found the dogs. John, you found the dogs. He found the dogs! And all together, they worked a young team to the top. And now, a 24th Stanley Cup banner will hang from the rafters of the famous forum in Montreal. The Canadians win the Stanley Cup! Brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. La TV. Embrace your true nature. And Playground. Your premier gaming destination. It's gonna be sick. Marinero, the sick podcast on this Monday, February 12th. How is everyone doing? And of course, the sick podcast is brought to you in part by Energy Transportation Group. Let's bring them up right now if we can. Energy Transportation Group, recently named by Deloitte and CIBC as one of Canada's best managed companies, the country's leading business award recognizing innovative and world-class companies also brought to you in part by these guys right over here la bit atb brewed in quebec a winner of a dozen international awards la bit atb offers quality microbrewery beers made with premium ingredients for everyone's taste also brought to you in part by playground over 600 machines poker tournaments cash games daily promotions unmatched customer service why go anywhere else? Located just over the Mercia Bridge, only minutes from downtown Montreal. Speaking of playground, want to let you know that that's where Sammy's first annual charity poker tournament, Texas Hold'em poker tournament, will take place this Saturday, February 17th. For all of you watching, you can pick up your tickets at a cost of $150. That includes a night of fun-filled poker, it does not include buy-ins or add-ons. It does include beverages. It does not include a meal. Um, 514-219-2725 is the number to call. 514-219-2725 with all proceeds going to Cure SMA, Cure Spinal Muscular Atrophy. I don't know what the cure is for the Montreal Canadiens, but it definitely seemed like... Um, uh, they're far away from a cure right now. The Canadians uh, were in it as far as the score sheet was concerned on Saturday versus Dallas. Um, and in much part thanks to Samuel Montembeau, who continues to stand on his head more often than not. And were absolutely obliterated by the St. Louis Blues, a score of 7-2 to two yesterday. And what was, of course, matinee Super Bowl weekend, tradition of sorts, the Canadians playing afternoon games. Both games started at 1 o'clock, a 3-2 loss versus Dallas on Saturday, a 7-2 loss versus the St. Louis Blues yesterday. That means off for the Montreal Canadiens today, and uh, the Canadiens will be back at it tomorrow night when they host the Anaheim Ducks 
And we'll discuss that in just a couple of minutes in the weekend that was. We do so with our regular collaborator on Monday nights of Sportsnet at sportsnet.ca. Eric Engels, what's going on? Not much, you? Not much, not much. Uh, did not enjoy the first three quarters of the Super Bowl. I thought the um, the halftime show was good because he was actually singing um, and not faking it. So that was good, but it's not my favorite halftime show I ever, I ever saw either. Uh, third quarter picked up. Fourth quarter was very good. Overtiming, overtime had all the dramatics, obviously. And in the end, what had to happen, happened is that if you give Pat Mahomes the ball with one last crack at it, he's going to win and you're going to lose. And that's the way it went down. So that was my weekend. I know that you enjoyed your Super Bowl too. Uh, You didn't enjoy the referees who were calling pretty much everything and reviewing everything on Sunday because you're like, uh, don't the referees know that we all have a Super Bowl party to get to? Yeah, I'm sure uh, nobody was too enthralled about that. I will say they did get a lot of the calls right, which is uh, a rarity nowadays in the NHL. <laughs> like uh, people don't know that rule and the, the breakaway with Mike Matheson who who stopped the breakaway with hitting the puck first. And I don't like that it's become a rule that if you still trip the guy, even if you hit the puck first, you're getting a tripping penalty. And, and that's why it wasn't a penalty shot. It used to be an amazing defensive play. And I think we're punishing an amazing defensive play, but that is in the rule book. Yeah. They called that trip, embellishment, and trip. And in live, when I was watching live, I was like, that was an insane call. I don't know what they were thinking. And then they went and reviewed it and got a chance to see the replays. And, yeah, uh, Ghoulie tripped the guy. He he was down yeah. on the ice. You were thinking uh, he didn't have a way of getting out of the way of, of the other trip that he pulled off. And sure enough, he extended his body to trip the Montreal player, and they actually got that right. Anyways, uh it's rare. I you know. I have to admit, I wasn't aware of the rule of a team going on a power play and the other team not sending a player to the box, which what happened, which happened also yesterday. Oh. St. Louis didn't put a, a player in the box, and then they can't. They're going to be down five on four until the next stoppage because they can't put a player on the ice. And I didn't. I wasn't aware of the rule. Yeah, I must have missed it with all the goals going in. Um, honestly. I know you said it was a tough weekend and everything, but like this is kind of kind of what you expect. I don't think it's going to get much better in terms of results. It's got to get healthier in terms of the process, that's for sure. There were some positives. The, the first line for Montreal looked great all weekend. Um, Montembeau was really good. The rest of it was pretty negative. Speaking of the first line, Cole Caulfield, a streak came to an end, though, however, yesterday. Yeah. See if we can bring it up here. Shane Gomo and Master Control. The Cavalaros are still in Vegas, by the way. They're back tomorrow. Uh, not a bad week eh, for them in Vegas. Uh, longest point streaks by players age 23 or younger in franchise history. Guy Lafleur, the flower. Uh, 1974-75, 13 games. Stefan Richet in 89-90, 12 games. And Cole Caulfield's streak comes to an end at 11 games. It's funny because those top two ahead of Cole Caulfield, those were my uh, two favorite players growing up, obviously in different years, one in the late 70s, early 80s, and the other one in uh, the uh, late 80s, early 90s. Hmm. Guy Lafleur and Stefan Richet. That's pretty elite company. It's a pretty nice company. It is. I think what you have to like the most about Montreal's top line is that on any given night, it's one of the three of them that's, that's driving. 
Like, yeah, I thought Caulfield had a really good game on Sunday. I could easily could have had a couple points. Didn't, you know, Slavkovsky and Suzuki end up connecting for one of the two goals. Uh, if you go back to Saturday, I thought Slavkovsky was probably the best of the three of them, but you could argue it was Suzuki. Like it, it seems as though it's not a line that's succeeding just because of one player who's really hot. I mean, yes, it's a great streak for Caulfield, and I think his all-around game throughout that streak really showed how much he has improved as a player and, and the process that he submitted to this year. But that's one of the major positives here. You you not only have a line that's going here and going well and rising to the challenge of playing all these minutes and the defensive responsibilities that come with them, all three guys are doing their part on that line. So yeah, as that continues to grow, like I, I think this is just the beginning of what, what the potential is for that line. I think they're going to get better and better. You just talked about Caulfield. We showed the uh, the point streak coming to an end at 11 games. We will talk about Slavkowski and Suzuki because they were also in the news. There's a lot to talk about with them. But you also talked about injuries and trying to get healthy. The Montreal Canadiens tweeted out uh, yesterday, uh, Raphael Arby pinard will miss four to six weeks with a lower body injury. Jordan Harris is day to day with an upper body injury while Caden Gooley is still being evaluated. Okay. Um, Poor Raphael Arby pinard has been absolutely snake-bitten this year. It's unbelievable. He who had been out for an extended period of time prior to that. Jordan Harris got crunched into the boards by Samuel Blais. And uh, the eyes were crossing there as the camera zoomed in on him. And he was in uh, no man's land at one point. Looked like a concussion. Yeah, didn't like it. Didn't like the hit. And a lot of people were saying to me, well... Blay was committed to the hit, and there was no way that he could slow up on the hit. He was committed to the hit while Harris was already facing the boards. Uh, it was obviously made worse by the fact that Harris was losing his balance and went down, hence there's no supplemental discipline coming, uh, which is fine. You know, he got thrown out of the game. I thought he deserved to get thrown out of the game. It was a boarding penalty that caused an injury. That's also something that was handled well by the refs. Harvey Pinard, uh, you're right. Really bad luck, snake bitten throughout a lot of the year. I think the worst part of him getting injured in that game, uh, it was Saturday's game, is that he had finally, I thought against Washington, he played his best game of the season. I thought the first period of the Dallas game, it was his best period of the season, like coming off the Washington performance at a time where he really needed to step it up. And like, yes, he's been unlucky. And yes, he missed 27 games with an injury before this. And it takes time to regain rhythm. But he was struggling this year. And there were times, especially in the lead up to the break, where I was looking at him being like, I don't I don't want to say he's the worst player in the lineup, but he, he certainly was far from being the best and, and really needed to step up his game. I thought physically he looked a tad slower. I think mentally the wear was there in terms of the puck not going in for him. So to see him get injured the way he did in a free collision with Armia, uh, which nobody's at fault for in that Dallas game, the timing couldn't be worse because he was really starting to pick up his game. And, and that was something that was important for him, you know, which is normal for a, for a young player, second year in the league, not even a full season last season. Like, you're going to struggle here and there. I think that's a theme that people have to wrap their heads around in Montreal right now. There's been so many young players that have come onto this roster, and we talked a bit about it with Jack Eye last week, and we're talking with look at Jaden Struble this week, and you know these guys are none of, like barely any of them have a hundred games under their belt. So like 
there's ups and downs, and some of them have experienced some downs. Anyways, terrible luck for Harvey yeah. Pinard. Four some to six weeks. Experienced some ups. Yuri Slavkovsky's yep. second season is a lot better than his first. Yep. yep. Four four to six weeks on on Harvey Pinard. Uh, you know, when I initially saw the play, having suffered the injury myself, I thought he I thought he broke his fibula, which is the smallest bone on the on the outside of your leg, uh, down near your ankle. The fact that it's a four to six week timeline tells me that if he did suffer a fracture, maybe it was a hairline one. Uh, maybe it's a sprained ankle. Who knows? Everybody's speculating when it comes to this stuff. I thought initially when he got hurt for those 27 games, he had hurt his knee, but he ended up in a walking boot. So it was probably his ankle. We don't know. They don't tell us. And I don't like guessing. Uh, yeah. You know, can't help doing it sometimes when you see something happen, especially yeah. if you, I, I broke my fibula going back uh, to 2016, 17. And, uh, it looked really similar in terms of the way I fell, although I didn't collide with anybody else when it happened. So anyways, all that aside, four to six weeks, at least he'll be back at some point. And the last one though, Caden Gooley, that's killer. You know, like just brutal to see that happen with five minutes left. And it, only it, thing it, I ever broke, day, by the like, way, was my pinky. Only thing yeah. I ever broke was my pinky. Yeah. Well, it's hope it stays that way. Yeah. On the sofa with my wife, I wanted to kiss. I went over to give her a kiss. She took her foot and extended it with her leg and tried to kick me away to say, I'm not in the mood. Got me right in the pinky. And next thing you know, the top part of my pinky was like sitting on top of the bottom part of my pinky. And I just looked at her and I said, you just broke my pinky. And she started laughing, thinking I was actually doing something with my pinky. And I'm, I said, if you're actually thinking that I put the top part of my pinky to lay on the bottom part of my pinky, no, I didn't do that. You broke my pinky. And then being the big man that I am, I ran outside and I started screaming. And I just so happened to have a relative that was uh, driving down the street and said, what's wrong? And I said, I broke my pinky. Can you bring me to the hospital? And uh, yeah, that was that's my story. I still see something here on my pinky, by the way. Sick. All I wanted to do was kiss, man. That's all I want to do. Hey, um. And then the Caden Gooley hit. Yeah, terrible. Caden Gooley gets gets you 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 saw that Marco Scandella, former Montreal Canadian, uh, takes the puck, skating through the neutral zone with it, dumps it into the corner, and he goes, "I'm going to go after it." And uh, Gooley gets to it first, and he puts his stick, almost as if he's kind of like around Gooley, almost like hooking Gooley, and then goes in and finishes his check. Um, I don't know if it was his, his, his wrist or his ribs that were, you know, he he was obviously in a lot of discomfort. I thought it was a shoulder. A lot of people thought it was his shoulder. Oh, really? It could yeah. be. Because he had his, arm, he had his arm pinned to his body, which is typically be, yeah. a sign of that. So who, who knows? We'll find out uh, inevitably. Um, but one way or the other, no blame on Marco Scandella there. The, the two of them kind of engaged and he finished his hit. And that's yeah. just... It happens. It doesn't matter. This is starting. This is starting to look a lot like last year, Eric. Like well, I mean, the injuries at this time of year and that some game. Bad that game and, wasn't good. That 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 game losing two players that way, and especially on the blue line. Yeah, you know, I, I want to bring it to a point. Excellent point, colleague Mark Antoine Godet made during the game. Seeing that before that happened, it's kind of like you saw the mistakes that Jaden Struble made. Jaden Struble admitted toughest game he's played in the NHL 
took 33 games to get there. Inevitably, it was going yeah. to happen. He was going to be on the yeah. wrong side of something. I was actually speaking to Jaden Struble earlier in the week, and I said, have you have you had an oh shit moment yet? And he said, not really on the ice. Like, I've looked, you know, around at who we're playing, McDavid, McKinnon, and, and been like, oh, man, yeah. like, I can't believe this is, this is where I am. I'm going back to Boston. And, but, like, it hasn't happened yet. And I said, oh, it's coming. He goes, oh, I know. I know it's coming. And, and, and it did. You know, it finally hit him. But what Marc Antoine said, which I thought was interesting, is like, you know, there's, there's a somewhat of a lack of insulation with all these younger guys that Jaden has to take on a role that's, that's quite important. And, and finally, you know, has a game where he stumbles and, and two other defensemen go down, meaning like he better bounce back right away because he's going to be in a position where he's going to have to help the team. Right. So it's, it's, um, you could look at it as a problem. You could say, okay, like this maybe puts him a bit in over his head at a time where his confidence got rocked a little bit. Or you could look at it as a great opportunity for him, for Jack Guy to re-cement his place in the lineup, for anybody who might come up, like, mm, I don't know, Logan Mayu. You could see that player in Montreal at some point soon. I think we all agree he's earned a cookie or two between now and the end of the season. I think the Canadians would love to see what he could do at this level. They've let him slow cook in the AHL, which is the right path for his development with all he had to work on. But I think, you know, we're getting to a place here, depending on what the news is about these two defensemen, you know, Harris, we know will be day to day and probably in concussion protocol, even though we don't have a confirmed, he's got one. I think we all have eyes and Gooley, we'll see about the severity of his injury. If he was still being evaluated, there's hope that maybe he just got pinched up a little bit and he'll be okay. Okay. So I don't know this for a fact, but it just seems like the last couple of years with the Canadians in a rebuild and they finished last two years ago and fifth last last year, and they've been injury plagued over these last two and a half seasons now, that when players went down last year, they were taking a little bit more time and bringing them back because we know that eventually a couple of members of their uh, strength and conditioning team and their athletic therapist lost their jobs because I think the Canadians thought that uh, one of the reasons was that they were bringing back players maybe a little bit too soon. And when you start to have more clarity of where you are in the standings, I think it's easier to say we can give it an extra week. I don't know if this is the way it went down for a fact, but I think at one point Kent Hughes even admitted that, you know, they could take their time with injuries knowing, depending on where they were in the standings. I think they're at that stage now, right? Um, I know Marty St. Louis is not going to tell his team that they're not going to make the playoffs. Um and I know the players are going to fight right until the end because that's just what ends up what the makeup of an athlete is. But I think they're at that point here where, and I could be, we'll find out here in the next little while. But with Gooley and Harris, if one is to be out for two weeks and the other one's to be out for four, I wouldn't be surprised if one is out for four and the other one's out for six. There's no I, use in really rushing yeah. them back right now. There's definitely no use in rushing anybody. Um, I don't think that's a conscientious decision. I don't think anybody's going to stop either one of them from getting back on the ice and playing if they're ready to play and medically clear to play. You know, you could run into some issues with the PA on something like that. 
Also, going back to the guys who lost their jobs, we don't know specifically what the reason was. We don't know that it's because, you know, there was some some concern about how long it was taking certain players to get back on the ice. Uh, you know, it's easy to assume certain guys were rushed back, and in certain cases they were. But in certain cases where you expected a timeline to be faster, it took a lot longer to get players back, and I think that was part of the issue. I think there were other issues there, so can't that's as far as we can kind of speculate on it because we don't, we weren't in those meetings and we don't know the thrust behind those decisions. But, you know, I'll, I'll put it this way to you, Tony, like you watched the games this weekend. You knew what the hole would be uh, with Sean Monahan leaving, even with new hook coming back. Um, you know, you see how cold the offense is outside of the first line. What's going on with Josh Anderson and Tanner Pearson right now, even Jake Evans to a degree who doesn't have a reliable line mate to play with, with Gallagher out of the lineup. Pretty productive this year. I think we all know that. But Mm -hmm. (laughs) he looks like a better option than anybody who's been playing with Jake Evans lately. Um, yeah. his absence, I, I just don't think they need to do anything to encourage the tank. Like the, the, the they're, they're severely handicapped to win games in, in this league right now. It's, it's outside of Montombo in the first line. It's hard. It's, it's going to be hard enough for them. And, and yeah, I don't, very they need, I don't think they need to extend any injury timelines to ensure that they're going to lose a lot more than they'll actually win. But like I said, even if we don't expect that to change very much, the, the process has to be healthier than what we saw uh, less so on Saturday, much more so on Sunday. That was, that was an ugly talk about um, Josh Anderson. What a disastrous weekend it was for him. Uh, Anderson was minus two versus Dallas in 13 minutes and 55 seconds. He didn't have a shot on goal. Versus St. Louis in 14:49, he had one shot. He had a couple of hits. He was minus four in the game. Look, I, I don't know what we can say about Josh Anderson that we haven't said already. There's a there's a big package there, and there's and there's tools. And if he played with the same consistency, um, that some others would he'd be a force to be reckoned with unfortunately you know he plays his best hockey one in every five that's too bad but not a good weekend for him it's just not happening like and i don't i don't think i always think it's low-hanging fruit to be like oh you know his effort isn't good enough like i just think his confidence has been rocked this season and I also think that what we've really learned and what seemed pretty apparent since Marty came in is he's not necessarily the best fit with the way this team wants to play. You know, a lot of how Anderson drives, uh, a lot of a lot of what you see that's good with Anderson is kind of self-driven. You know, Marty's entire system is so dependent on everybody working together. And it's not straightforward north-south hockey. You know, if you look at the Canadians, they probably rank top 10 in the league in reversals in their own zone and D-to-D passing and, and all these things that, you know, you always hear coaches so saying stuff like go north, go north. And obviously the Canadians want to move the puck up the ice as fast as possible, but they want to be in possession of the puck a lot more under St. Louis than we've seen with some other coaches. And I <sighs> I'm not saying that Anderson can't fit in with the style. I think there's been points where we've seen him play some really good hockey, just hasn't been nearly enough. And I think part of it is a stylistic 
kind of issue here. And the other part of it is just the confidence not being where it should be. And I don't know what else is under the hood. I don't know if there's a physical issue that Anderson is dealing with. You know, it's entirely possible. He's, he's, he's a passionate player and it wouldn't surprise me if he was playing somewhat banged up. But if you're dressed and ready to go, you know, you just you have to be able to perform and being minus six over the weekend and that being actually indicative of how you played because plus minus can be a, a stat that doesn't necessarily tell the story, but it did in this case. That's yeah. just not good enough. And I, I, I know Josh Anderson and I know he would own that. Uh, you hope to see something a lot better from here to the end of the season from him. Unless the Canadians pick up someone in the offseason, uh, day of the draft, week of the draft, a couple of days after the draft, whatever, uh, because I don't expect them to pick up anyone to make their team better right away at this trade deadline because they're going to be sellers and not buyers. Um, I um, He'll get one more benefit of the doubt probably. Start next season off on a line with Doc and uh, maybe Newhook, but... Yeah, I don't know where it's going. Like I like you said, it's just it's not a fit. It's a north south player playing on a team that does a lot of east west. It's an individual player playing on a team that's trying to do a lot collectively. And um he's an inconsistent player, uh playing for a coach who prided himself uh on consistency and that's what he expects from his players. But I have to uh, think like I have to think there's there's teams where his style really fits. And you'd see something better and he'd be able to get some momentum and the puck would start going in a lot more regularly and he would be a positive contributor more often, much more often than he is here. He'd uh, score a lot of goals if he played on a line with Connor McDavid. The value, the value <laughs> isn't there right now. And like uh, people, listen, I, I just honestly, like speaking with my sources over the last couple of years, people think are under the illusion that Kent Hughes was offered a for no, no, no. No serious uh, offer has come in for for Josh Anderson. Not because people aren't interested. It's just it never. I don't think it ever got to that point where a first round pick was on the table to trade Josh Anderson. Ken Hughes was like, "No, I love him." Like this just. I just don't think there was ever a concrete offer put on the table, regardless of interest that being there in the player. Uh, so I, I think people could get away from that illusion now. It's definitely not there right now with the way the players yeah. played this year. So he's got to find a way over the, like you look at individual storylines and what's important to who, you know, Harvey Pinar was a guy who was circling saying these last 30 games are really important for him. Alex Newhook yeah. who missed some time this year. These last 30 games were really important to him to prove that top six, that's where he belongs. And, and I think even if he didn't put up the points over the weekend, he took a real good step in that direction after he was playing some really good hockey before he got injured and lost, missed 27 games. Josh Anderson is another guy you're circling and just saying, hey, like the value has to increase from here to the end, especially after the weekend he just had where it just is nowhere near good enough. And it's not all on him because yeah. look at that line with Pearson, with Evans, it's just mm -hmm. nothing good was happening. And, and that's despite... Jake Evans is pretty good effort to make some things happen and just they're all they're kind of getting caved in as a line. All right. Jake Allen stats. A year yeah. ago he was 15, 24, and three. His save percentage was 891. This series 5, 10, and 3. His save percentage is 895. A year ago, his goals against average was 355. 
this year his goals against average is 363. We all know why there's three goalies here. We've been talking about it for the longest time. Um, part of it had to do with Kent Hughes believing or having an information that Caden Primo was going to be picked up if he was going to go on waivers. Maybe they wanted to have three goalies here because Samuel Montembeau wasn't signed at the time and they could use it as a counter negotiation. And, um, you know, they're looking to part ways, you would think, with a Jake Allen at one point. But Jake Allen's playing the worst hockey of his career here. I mean, this is yesterday's performance was I've never seen him so bad or fragile. Uh, in goal, and it just so happened versus his former team where players usually get pumped up uh, in those situations. Um, unfortunately for him, the Canadians, the, the Canadians don't do well in back-to-backs to, be, to begin with. But So where do we go from here? There's two schools of thought, or maybe even three. One is, okay, you're not going to get nothing for him. Cut your losses, put him on waivers, see if somebody picks him up. If they don't, boom, send him to Laval. Um, and we know Kent Hughes is not going to do that because he already said, I'm not sending Jake, uh, Jake Allen to Laval. Um, the other one is play him between now and trade deadline. His value can only go up. It cannot go lower because right now, if it's zero and there's nobody interested, well, you can't, you know, you can't get lower than zero. You can only get higher. Or the other school of thought is, just play Montembeau and Primo between now and the end of the season. Or there's even another school of thought, which is, which I I think is what I would do. Try and play Jake Allen as much as you can between now and March 8th. And then if you can't trade him, then after March 8th, then you, you know, you play uh, Montembeau and and Primo as much as you can, because, and then you'll tackle Jake Allen in the off season or maybe next season. Where do you stand on this? uh, First off, I I don't think he's playing the worst hockey of his life. He had one terrible game. I think he'd be the first to admit it was a terrible game against St. Louis. Game before that against Pittsburgh, he made 30 saves in a 3-2 loss and played really well. Um, Scouts won't judge based on one game, but it doesn't help his value. That there's no debating, no arguing about. How much he can increase his value between now and the trade deadline, no matter how much he plays, is really questionable. Uh, People know who Jake Allen is. They know what the profile is. Goaltending is kind of voodoo. He could get hot and all of a sudden, you know, he becomes someone who's interesting or teams just say, hey, we need a guy to back up our younger goaltender or whatever it is. He's a good pro. We know what we're getting with him. The cost to acquire Jake Allen with the Canadians not retaining any money or taking back a bad contract is very little. It's it's next to nothing. What's it going to be? A fourth round pick, a fifth round pick. Yeah. Uh, it's not like Kent Hughes is sitting there saying, uh, give me a second or I'm not moving. Like, no, like everybody knows what the value is. Uh, If the Canadians have to eat half a salary or they have to take back somebody who's on their books next year, well, there's a cost for that. So we'll see where it goes. Um, As far as what you should do with him between now and the deadline. Yeah. I think you just keep him in the rotation he's in. You you have to play Primo. People who are like, just wave Primo already. He's like, no, that's that's not the move because what was true earlier in the season is still true now. You'd be losing him for nothing, and that's just not good yeah. asset management. And there's no reason to do that. I mean, I could. But I made a com- I made a comment though, if I can. That's the worst hockey yeah. of his career. Yeah. You said, "Well, it was a bad game. I wouldn't go that far." The stats say it's the worst hockey of his career, Eric. He's got the worst winning percentage of his career. He's mm-hmm. got the worst goals against average of his career, and he's got the worst save percentage 
uh, or the second worst save percentage of his career, slightly better than last year. I know, but I don't think the um, stats suggest that he's playing horrible. And and this is a good. And what you saw Sunday is uh, reflective of the way he's been this season. In fact, you know, one stat that you didn't mention within those is goal support, which hasn't been there at all for Jake uh, for most of his starts this year. So, and the one time he finally got it, though, like the, the the Canadians scored three goals in a game for him, he won. So, like, I, I don't know. I'm not looking at know, the game by game right on, now. He plays on the same team that Montembeau and Caden Primo. Yeah, There's it's fair, but, 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 like, if you pick a team, if you pick any team or go through the history of teams, they tend to play differently in front of different goaltenders. Like, it's just uh, it's one of those weird things about hockey, but it happens. Anyways, I'm not here to defend Jake Allen's play one way or the other. I think it's been good at times. I think it hasn't been good enough at times. It was definitely bad on Sunday. That there's there's no debating about. Teams know what he is, though. And they're not, they're not sitting there saying, well, Sunday's game, that's Jake Allen. Like, it doesn't really make a difference either way. Because like I said, if the Canadians were to trade him without retaining salary or taking one back that'll stay on their books, they're not looking for pie-in-the-sky kind of return to move him out. Anybody could have him for a very cheap cost. So uh, with 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 the caveat that he has seven teams that he can't be traded to that, that are on his no-trade list unless he waives that. So I don't know. I will say this about the three goaltender situation. Mm-hmm. The Canadians have managed it re- as well as you possibly can having three goalies. The three players involved have managed it as well as they possibly can to be in that situation until now. And I think it's starting to affect those guys a little bit. It's it's affecting Caden Primo, who's not playing as much as he would like to. And it's certainly affecting Jake Allen, who even if he's used to being in a backup role and playing a little less frequently by mm-hmm. now, it starts to wear on you a little bit. And, and I think we saw that. I think he really wanted to play on Sunday. And I think he was really disappointed that the rust crept into his game and didn't enable him to play as well as he did in Pittsburgh in his last start, which was two weeks before that. They have to find a way to to keep everyone okay because the fact is how many goaltenders have moved so far? There's a lot of teams with goaltenders who are available and nobody's really moved. So it's it's just one of those situations where it might not change between now and March 8th. And how they handled it, you hit on something that I think is true. How they handled it, how they handle it between now and March 8th and how they handle it after March 8th when there are still a, a number of games in April, shockingly. I think there's seven or eight games in April is probably going to be something different. So we'll we'll see where it goes. I don't have a crystal ball. Yeah. And I don't have the answer as to how they're going to do it. And I, I can't tell you how I would specifically do it other than to keep all three of them as fresh as you possibly can while treating Montembeau as your number one. That, that to me, is the priority. There was a Montreal Canadiens, or there is a Montreal Canadiens duel that has been absolutely on fire in the last week. Would you know who that duel is? Well, uh, yeah. I, I guess you know now. No, no mystery there. I didn't need the, uh, the graphic to show me either. Uh, I'm sure it helped. Nick Suzuki and Mike Matheson. There you have it. The dynamic duo uh, from February, what is that, 5th to 11th? Um, six points for Nick Suzuki during that span in three games. Uh, five points for Mike Matheson. And uh, they pick up 11 points. I think it's three games, by the way. I believe it's three games. But anyway. And it brings us, it brings us back to the conversation we had last week, right, Tony? About? 
Well, we talked about both these guys, and the first thing we yeah. said was Nick Suzuki, right? If he's going to get to a better pace than he was on, uh, he was on pace for 73 or 75 points. In, in uh, I said 80, 80 he'll get. Games. I said he'll get 80. And I said he'd have to, he'd have to have some multi-point games strung together, right? And and all of a sudden he has a few of them. Uh, Matheson that we were talking about, just more evidence. You, you know, if you think the Matheson's Canadians un- are going to trade I, this I guy, Matheson, like, I think Mike Matheson is the most unbelievable defenseman in the National Hockey League that not that many people outside of Montreal talk about. Like he's really good, man. If this guy was playing in New York, um. A big market. Mike Matheson is really good. He's in a huge market. He, he, <laughs> I, I know, but he's in a Canadian market, though. He yeah, I'll tell you one thing. Six teams. Like, no matter what we say out of Montreal, like the rest of the media thinks that we're just Montrealers. And we yeah, but teams about, know. You know, teams know. Montreal Canadians. Teams know if they're going to call Ken Hughes and ask for Mike Matheson, the what they hear back on the other side of the line is not going to be something they'd be willing to pay. They know. They know what the value is of the player. And again, he's not perfect, but what he is, is a, is a dominant player in huge minutes. And um, you just see it. He's factoring in on pretty much all the offense. It, like I, I haven't looked at the number, but like the percentage of points that he's a factor in on is it's uh, it's a huge percentage and uh, he's playing good hockey. You know what I thought was one of the undertold stories of yeah. Sunday's game is the contrast between how much there's a need in the market for a player like David Savard yeah, and how much he's under pressure to kind of fulfill the expectation of who he is as a player. Because he's, you would agree, defensively, pretty strong player. He's, he's a good player defensively. He has some unheralded offense in him. You see him do some things in the offensive zone that he doesn't get enough credit for. I did not like what I saw on Sunday. Like just not at all, and and I don't think anybody should. David Savard included, and he's a he's a vet. He'll move on from it quickly. He'll bounce back. He's a heart and soul player who will step in front of the pucks with his face if he has to. But he was on the ice for six of seven goals against, and his work on the penalty kill is just nowhere near strong enough. And you know, one of his strengths is blocking shots, and the puck seems to find him. You know, he, he wasn't able to get in front of the ones and and left some players behind him and goals got past Jake Allen and Jake Allen was as much to blame for it as anybody, but Savard could really fetch something between now and the deadline based on if you go past Chris Tanev, there aren't so many players that, that fit that size mold and right-handed players. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. Eric Johnson is one in Buffalo, but honestly there's questions as to whether or not he still got it. Um, yeah. And, and those are realistic. I just think there's not a lot of players who can do what Safard can. I'm not overrating him. He's a third-pairing defenseman on any team that is a, a cup-contending team, but a really valuable one as a third-pairing guy. If you can add him, and after Chris Tanev goes, there's not that much left out there. And I, yeah. Again, a one-off, you don't put too much stock into a one-off performance, but that wasn't a good yeah. one. No, it wasn't a good one. I find he doesn't clear the front of the net as much as he should. The Canadians, by the way, are absolutely horrendous in the penalty kill this year. They're a lot better on the power play than they are in the penalty kill. And uh, I think Savard's had a very up-and-down season. Um, uh, you know, without knowing this for a fact, I, I just think his game shape is probably not maybe at its at its peak. 
there was an injury which uh, to his to his hand wrist which set him back at one point this season because he was out for about six weeks. But I, I never really found that he rediscovered that groove. But anyway, um, I found something. Last two months, we're not going to bring up the picture just yet. Last two months in the AHL, every winger with 35-plus hits and 16-plus points. Have you seen this? Nope. It's interesting. Andrei Zvechnikov, Brady Kachuk. In the NHL. You said, yeah. Okay. I thought Zvechnikov, you said the AHL. I don't know why. No, NHL. Pardon me. Zvechnikov, okay. Kachuk, and Forsberg. Every winger with 35-plus hits and 16-plus points in the last two months. Zvechnikov, Kachuk, and Forsberg. You want to know why I'm bringing that up? I'm pretty sure there's a 19-year-old kid in Montreal is on the list. You got that right. Let's bring it up. And let's add to that. Uri Slavkowski. That's um, it's pretty nice company. For sure. Pretty nice company. So one was drafted, what, second overall? Zvechnikov. The other one, Kachuk, was drafted, what, fourth overall? Philip Forsberg, I think, was drafted 11th overall. And Uri Slavkowski was drafted first overall. And by the way, even though Forsberg was drafted 11th overall, you can make a case that he was the best player in his draft year. You can make a case. Um, All four of them are hard to handle, man. And Slav was also in that draft. And was was um, Galchenyuk was uh, yeah, yeah. well Galchenyuk won number three, yes, and Yakupov won number one, and I think it was Murray won number two. But did uh, was Vasilevsky in that draft? Uh, I I don't know. Probably, I have no idea. I don't remember. Uh, I'm I'm not good with the years and and putting it all together in my brain. But it's it, there's too much information there, like to go back and and piece it all together. I there's some that I yes, can remember. I don't know. Yeah, he was. was he? Okay. Yeah, Andre Vasilevsky. Anyways, 12 draft. He won. Bill Forsberg's amazing. I agree. Yeah. Uh, also, all but four Vas- of those guys Vasilevsky are is the best player in that draft, though. All four of those guys are tough to handle, and uh, size matters. And and Slavkovsky is really learning how to use his, and the more he gets, the more he and and, and you know he's smaller this year. He he, not only did he lose weight coming into the season, he's lost weight since then too, um, and on purpose. Uh, and and he's just he's faster, and he still has the big frame, and he's going to get not necessarily heavier. But a lot stronger, and and as a result, heavier on his skates. And I just, man, the fact that he's learning how to use that at this age, because I think that's the thing that takes the longest to really get down as a big winger mm-hmm. in this in this game. He's scary, like scary player to play against. You saw some battles between him and Colton Pareko on Sunday, where yeah, he had the edge. Like, and Colton Pareko is is not a necessarily a physical he's not shea weber he's not a physical beast but he's not a guy you just toss around um, one of the things i really like that's not covered in that stat is just how frequently slaff whether it's checking someone or just stick checking someone or positioning or whatever it is is getting pucks turned over he's just really putting himself in the right spots his reach using to it using it to his advantage people look at his reach and say okay it's puck protection and this and that but like he's really using his reach to knock pucks loose 
and get them turned over and extend offensive zone time. And it's just becoming so consistent in his game. There's just so much to like. There's so much to like about the way the player is improving that, and, and I think it's almost worth a caution that at some point that rate is going to slow down a bit, or maybe he takes a step back. Like, and that would be normal. He's, he's 19. He's 19. And, and that's the scary thing. Like he's, he's really turning into the player that you'd hope he'd be drafted first overall. I don't even, I can't even put a ceiling on where it takes him. I I don't know. I don't, is he going to be a 30, 30 guy when he's at his complete, you know, best and just a dominant player at both ends? Is he going to be a 40, 40 guy? Is he going to be a 25, 25 guy, but just so complete a player that you just, he's a threat every time he's on the ice at both ends. Like I have no idea, but I know where the trend is taking him. It's it's up and up and up. Our buddy uh, Grant McCagg uh, believes that in his best years, Uri Slavkowski will be an 80-point guy and former Montreal Canadiens goalie coach. Stefan Waite threw out a comparable a couple of days ago, which is a comparable that I threw out on this podcast about give or take about three months ago with Craig Button. Slavkowski reminds me of John LeClaire. Yeah, I don't see it. Maybe people do because the last time we saw a player, a winger of like that size and kind of impact was John yeah. LeClaire in Montreal. You know, everybody hoped Josh Anderson would be that type of player. It hasn't been. Um, I don't know if I see that. Like, I don't, I don't know if I see Slavkovsky scoring 50 goals in this league and slapping pucks in at 105 miles an hour. But if he played with Lindros, he would. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, he's playing with pretty good players right now, and they're doing a, a very good job. I, 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 I don't think it matters. I think if he continues to trend the way he's trending, he's going to be a very he. Are, he already is showing he's an impactful player in this league. He's gone from he was treading water in this league to questionable that he should even be in this league at his age. To he's an impact player night after night. And I just think that trend is something that Canadians fans should be so excited about. And and I don't, I can't put a ceiling on. I, I really, I don't know if yeah. I agree that he's going to put up the type of numbers that John Leclerc did in his prime. But I think he has the possibility of being a more complete player than John Leclerc was. Honestly, the way the way he plays defensively and the way he plays in the little details of the game, I'm kind of blown away. I didn't necessarily see that happening when he was drafted. I, I saw a lot of yeah, other things. And I, saw, I saw more of the, the offensive kind of upside that people are talking about when they talk about John McClare, but the complete game, like it's... I didn't see it either. For that to no, be there at, at 19, the way it is, he's, he's ahead yeah. of the curve. Yeah, it, listen, in ending uh, very quickly here, uh, Newhook, what do you think of uh, what do you think of his weekend? Oh, yeah. Like I said before, I really liked it. I, I, I He created a lot of chances. The finish, you yeah. figure that's probably a bit of timing. Um, one of the things about Newhook, like, and why these 30 games are not only important for him, but also great for him, is he gets an opportunity to really be in an important role under Marty St. Louis. I think it's the most he'll be coached at this level. You know, like, didn't have yeah. – there's no – not that Jared Bednar is a, a great coach in Colorado and look at what he's done and look at what they achieved while Newhook was there. Uh, it's just 
there wasn't a development situation for Newhook. It was kind of like, you you better be up to par. Otherwise you're not going to be put in a position to be a big part of it. And I still think his, his details in his game grew a lot in Colorado that he wasn't coming here just as a raw kind of unmolded product, but he's going to get so much more individual kind of attention here in Montreal that could really help him develop even more. The skill set is super impressive. It's there. His speed is there. His and there's also um, I don't know if you see this. You could you could agree or disagree, Tony. There's a, there's a there's an underlying kind of grit there too. He's not a he's not a soft player. He's not just dancing around the ice. He he gets his nose dirty, and that's that's what you need if you're going to be kind of a consistent player in a top six role. So I like what I've seen. I hope he gets opportunities. Uh, I think as Joshua Wah sticks around a little bit, he's he's got a player that he can play with that can help him produce a little bit. Army has been decent, although you know the production is never quite as high as you'd like it to be for what he's putting out as an effort because um, he's playing good hockey. But I'd like to see if Newark can finish some of those chances he's creating. You know the points are going to be there because he's he's creating them. There's a lot of chances he's had in those in those two games in his first two games in 27 that. Yeah, and I love. I li- really like the way he was playing before he got hurt. So a lot of positive there. So let's bring up uh, in ending the calendar here for the month of February. All right. So the Canadians host the Anaheim Ducks tomorrow night. They will be at MSG visiting the Rangers on Thursday night. They will host Alexander Ovechkin, Max Pacioretty, and the Washington Capitals on Saturday night. Then they got three days off before uh, hosting. Buffalo on the Wednesday, going to Pittsburgh on the Thursday, and a couple of nights after that, they're going to be in New Jersey. By the way, folks, uh, Tony's tips, circle that game versus the Devils on the 24th of February. Once again, it's professional sports. Anything can happen. But the Montreal Canadiens would be traveling from Montreal to Pittsburgh, two games in 24 hours then traveling from Pittsburgh, making their way to Jersey, and then playing an afternoon game. So that's three games. That game in Jersey will be three games in like three and a half days. The last time they played in one of those situations, I think was a game versus the Los Angeles Kings earlier in the season, which I think was their third game in like three and a half days. Didn't end up too well anyway, um, for what it's worth. All right, okay. How do you see this? um, How do you see tomorrow night's game? What's that 10 a.m. game? Can't even make out that well, logo. That must be one of those uh, fan games that they're having, or something for the fans, or something. At fan the, practice? I would, I would okay. think so. I would think so. Yeah. Let me um, just uh, let me just how do bring I see it the up schedule? here. I, I mean, I don't, I don't think it matters who the Canadians play. Like, it's you know, it's a playoff team, non-playoff team, whatever it is. I don't think they've like played down to their competition or up. You know, they've certainly had some games against some of the better teams in the league where they've, you know, they they certainly found some inspiration. But they've also done decently against teams that were below them in the standings or around them in the standings. Yeah. I don't, you know, not expecting good results from here to the end of the season. I am expecting, though, the way St. Louis coaches and the way this team has committed itself over the last couple of years, despite the situation they've been in with injuries and all this stuff, 
that they yeah. will exhibit character and have a healthier process. That's kind of where we started and it's where we should finish. And anybody who's rooting against that just because they're so concerned about where the Canadians fall in the draft order, like you you have to weigh what the the downside is of that in terms of the culture of the team and how far it advances. Cause I don't think yeah. anybody wants to see the Canadians entrenched in a rebuild for five more years. Like you don't want the Canadians becoming the no. Buffalo Sabres. I usually use them as the template. Cause honestly it's, it's a horrible situation that they, they, yeah. they have rebuilt and failed rebuilding and rebuilt again. And now are in a situation where they have all this young talent and nothing around it and are looking to retool and who knows where it's going to go. Like, yeah, that's, that's a failure. It's, it's a pretty gross sure failure. Is, yeah. and I don't know. For I don't sure know. If is. It, like, is it going to change next year? Is Buffalo all of a sudden, Oh, like they've arrived and, and maybe, maybe, you know, with, with what they have in nets and some of the talent they have up front and maybe, but like, I don't think you want to be looking at the Canadians and saying, okay, like let your guard down, see where it leads you next year. And then the year after that, you're, no. you're, you're saying what, what happened to our culture? What happened to the way we were playing? And, and now we've no, gotten I don't, better, I don't like we're the getting, Sabres. We're getting more, yeah. you, you don't want to be that. Yeah, I hear don't you. Want to be I that hear, I don't so, like the Sabres going forward. Yeah, I don't, it doesn't look like they, uh, they have the recipe to the caramel bar, but they, uh, don't need they do to. have some good players like you just talked about. <laughs> they don't need to keep yeah. injured players out longer. They don't need to like they're gonna lose games. Yeah, I see it now. The fan practice. They're they're gonna lose yeah, games. So the fan practice, the skills but practice or whatever. Anyway. They better they better, you know, they're gonna lose games, but they better do it in a way that they can respect themselves at the end of the night. And that wasn't the case on Sunday. They they played a very bad game. Yeah. And it just there wasn't enough guys going. I know Marty yeah. talked about some of the positives, and I think it was the top line, the power play, and and that's about it. And there's yeah. a lot of players on the individual front that have some really good challenges in front of them. Struble, Jackye, depending on how long Harris and, and uh, Gooley are out. Uh, Logan Mayu, if he gets a chance to come back up or come up and, and make his NHL debut, that's a great opportunity. Lane Hudson at some point or another. Ryan Backer. Uh, Alex Newhook. Jake Allen has to rebound. Caden Primo has to prove that he's, you know, worth sticking around here and and if they're going to solve this in a way of moving jake out there's a lot of individuals that you could circle and say hey like something good has to happen here for these guys josh anderson is another so and gallagher's coming back so we'll we'll see what happens from here to the end of the season jake allen has to rebound there at least give up a rebound that means you stopped the original shot you gave Jeez. up a lot of rebounds actually you know at the same like it's not easy when you never he's like, a pro you man it's, it's he's not he's he's probably just really upset that he just he doesn't you know you write you, you go to school every day you go to school but you hardly get to write the exam it's, it's not a good situation he's for a pro these right now yeah he's a pro and has been all the way throughout yeah. and anybody who's like just wave him and send him to the american hockey league it's just not the way you treat someone who has who has done what he's done at the organization and it's not only that not only that hughes and gordon are stockbrokers man they're going to try and get the asset back up again and then they'll sell the stock at one point so they have a plan, yeah. and for the most part, they've executed on the plan, and they're going to try and execute it the same way with Jake Allen as they did with the others, and that's why you know I would think that we'll probably see Jake it, Allen quite a bit between now and March 8th. If it doesn't happen by March 8th, someone's going to need a goalie that's a reasonable veteran worth $3.85 million yeah. on the cap by the summer, yeah. and it, it's not going to be the end of the world. I know people are looking at it that way because of, you know, it's a tough situation for Primo and this and that. Yeah. 
think it's really hyperbolic to suggest this is a wasted year of development for Caden Primo. He certainly hasn't reacted that way in the net when he's been in the net. And, you know, it's been over a year that he would have preferred to be a backup in this league than playing as a starter in the American League. And he'll get enough games between now and the end of the season where he'll still have been used as a backup, not as a 1B, but he's played 11, I think, this year. And if he ends up in 18 to 20, yeah, he would have preferred that if you would ask him at the beginning of the year, would you rather play 18 to 20 games in the NHL or start 50 in the American League? He would have said 18 to 20 in the NHL. Eric, talk to you again next Monday. Thanks for doing this, man. We'll talk to you soon. Take care, Tony. Hope all of you and you as well enjoyed it. Uh, watching it on YouTube, live, Facebook Live, Twitter Live. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel. It's absolutely free. Tell your friends about it. Make them subscribe, your neighbors, everybody. Um, let us feel the love. Speaking of which, I saw uh, some some of you, I, I asked, I said, you know what? Our way of feeling the love is if you go on Apple Reviews and Apple Podcast and you leave us a five-star review, it goes a long way because usually people end up writing when they don't like what you're doing. And so a couple of you heard what I had to say and uh, – you, you sent out a really nice review and a five-star review, and I appreciate it. Thank you very much. If you can keep them coming, it makes us feel pretty good about what we do five days a week, pretty much 12 months a year. Um, so if you like it, like it, share with your friends. Comment sick, S-I-C-K, S-I-C-K. Special thanks to our partners and sponsors, Energy Transportation Group, as well as Playground, and as well as La Bit at TB. Speaking of Playground, Saturday, February 17th, Sammy's first annual poker gala. Charity tournament. All proceeds go to Cure SMA, Cure Spinal Muscular Atrophy. Tickets are $150 uh, to participate in the poker tournament. Does not include buy-ins or add-ons, nor does it include food. It does include the poker and the beverages. 514-219-2725 is the number to call. 514-219-2725. Sammy will be there, of course. And Yellow will be there, and I'll be there. And I look forward to seeing you all on Saturday night at Playground. Until then, uh, well, I'll be back tomorrow night, same time, same place, right after the Canadians and the Ducks. And joining me will be former Montreal Canadian Maxime Lapierre. It's a date, a rendezvous, a demain. Talk to you tomorrow. Thanks for watching the Sick Podcast. Cheers. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Sick Podcast with Tony Marinero on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. The Sick Podcast is brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. La Vida TV. Embrace your true nature. And Playground, your premier gaming destination.